Well, today is Good Shepherd Sunday, and since Vermont is an agrarian community, and you might well know one or two sheep farmers in the area, I thought I would start with a story about sheep. There was a young man who had grown up and spent his whole life in the city, and he had been accepted as his first call out of seminary to a small rural church in western North Dakota. Now the saying goes that Western North Dakota is not the most remote place on earth, but you can sure see it from there. <laughs> I've never been in North Dakota, so I don't know about that, but some of you may. Oh. Anyway, as it so happened, his duties began just before Advent, and his first project would be the annual Christmas program with the Sunday school class. One of the first things he did at the first rehearsal was to assign the sheep. Now, these were farm kids who knew animals, and in no time, a half dozen young sheep wannabes began wandering around in the middle of the rehearsal, crawling under the altar, walking out the door. Finally, the pastor stopped the chaos and said, Stop moving! Pay attention! What are you doing? And with a surprised look on her face, one girl replied innocently, we're sheep, <laughs> as if no other explanation was necessary. There's probably a little sheep in all of us from time to time, wandering off, quickly spooked, running away, easily lost, feeling defenseless against the pursuing wolves that hunt us. Psalm 23, offers a restful calm in the midst of troubles. That is probably why it is used so often in so many settings, not only church, but in secular settings. This ancient and well-known song is part of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scripture. And if we stop to think about it, it is a distillation of hundreds of years of struggle and learning the ways of this God who had called the people of Israel into being as his people. The word Israel means those who have struggled with God. What did it take for the people of Israel to learn that Yahweh was like a shepherd? In so many other places in Hebrew scripture, Yahweh sounds like a vengeful, an angry divine being. But this side of the divine nature presents something different. If they rushed off in pursuit of some golden idol, they would eventually be brought back into the fold. When choices they made as a people led to catastrophe and exile, God went with them. When they got scared and lost their way, Yahweh went in search of them to find them and restore them to himself. Through prophets and sages, he spoke to them. Through historical events, he was present to them. And like the family trees from which each of us springs, Yahweh and the Hebrew people built their history together, eon upon eon. Psalm 23 is a composite of someone's personal experience with a God that just 
doesn't quit. It is a love song of how God cares for us. The green pastures and still waters that revive the soul are lovely images here in Vermont. And here we in the Green Mountain State, every day we live in a land uh, that is lush with new life, especially now. Water rushes with abandon, sometimes even too much water. It abundantly swells the brooks, the streams, and the rivers. The earth, especially my backyard, is wet and spongy from the melting winter snows and spring rains. Sunny days are quickly coaxing the grass and the plants to green up and flower. Summer looms, and with it, our memories and anticipation of green pastures, deep pools of favorite swimming holes, and gorgeous sunsets over Lake Champlain. But this was not so in the land where this song was written. Some years ago, I was one of the American counselors for a Kids for Peace summer camp group that met here in Vermont. You may, some of you may know that Diane Esquivel, one of our team members, is very actively involved in that. Kids for Peace is an interfaith, international effort to bring together Jewish, Muslim, and Christian children and families from the United States with counterparts from Jerusalem and Palestine so we can learn more about each other and build bridges of understanding and dignity and respect. The Kids for Peace team from Jerusalem and Palestine had one initial question about Vermont before they came. They asked, are the mountains really green? They live in the same ancient land where Psalm 23 was composed where the mountains are brown, and the land filled with rocks, dirt, and dust. Life was hard and tenuous. Sheep were grazed where crops could not grow, because fertile soil that could grow food was not wasted on feeding animals. Water was always at a premium. Danger in the form of wolves or mountain lions could lurk behind any boulder. The only safety for any sheep grazing was the shepherd who kept watch. And even then, the shepherd might only have a slingshot or a spear or a rod and his courage to defend himself and his flock from a hungry pack of predators. Green pastures and plentiful water are not part of the regular landscape. And only a secret oasis known to the shepherd would, who would lead his flock to it guiding, coaxing, calling to come this way. I know the way, come with me. I know a place that will deeply impress you. So the nature of God is to know what we need when we are in the midst of our daily lives. And if we listen, to lead us to a place where we can just be tended by this gentle hand that knows what we need and provides it abundantly. We don't just get a drink of water. We get deep spiritual lagoons to refresh our longing and thirst for God, for meaning, 
of community and companionship along the way. But we can't rest in that idyllic place forever because we are not created to be kept safely secure in a box. We are created for life and to live in a state of journey. At some point, we need to move on to different terrain. Wide plains that stretch with options and amazing choices from horizon to horizon. Forks in the road forcing us to choose a direction, not knowing where it will lead. Rivers and chasms to cross, bridges to build, obstacles to overcome. Mountaintop experiences and deep, dark valleys where the light of day cannot penetrate and our shadow sides come out of hiding. Illness, loss of job, financial insecurity, death of a loved one. Move into a place where you have to start life over. Divorce and the ending of a relationship. The wrenching and ancient cry, where is God now? Echoes against our own silent walls of fear. Where is our default mode when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Where do we automatically turn? And what do we instinctively do without thinking when we get scared? The default setting is for sheep to run, bolting, helter-skelter, not knowing where to go, just trying to escape. And in that running, they get lost and sometimes follow the leader off a cliff. In 2005, there was a story about a herd of sheep in Turkey that stampeded. The lead sheep came to a chasm and tried to jump over it but fell to its death. 1,500 sheep followed, and 450 sheep of them were killed due to their herd instinct to follow the one that seemed to be doing the leading. Rabbi Harold Kushner was inspired to write the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, after his son, who had been born with an incurable illness, died at age 14. He wrote a meditation on Psalm 23 called, The Lord is My Shepherd. He says, people who have been hurt by life get stuck in the valley of the shadow, and they don't know how to find their way out. And that's the role of God. The role of God is not to explain and not to justify, but to comfort. To find people when they are living in darkness, take them by the hand, and show them how to find their way into the sunlight again. Now getting stuck in the valley of shadows is not necessarily from illness or a dying loved one. Sometimes we get stuck when we carry grudges for years. And the original insult or event that caused the grudge in the first place has now become its own story, almost like its own legend. It may not even be accurate anymore. And we may not be the same person anymore. But we still choose to carry it as though it is easier to carry a familiar burden than to put it down 
forgive, and move on. But sometimes moving on is hard. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they know me, and they follow me. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand either. The Father and I are one in this. And that is the way we climb out of the valley of despair. That is the way we break out of the emotional prisons we put ourselves in. And that is the way we release the animosity we choose to carry. We follow Jesus, who will not lead us off a cliff, but lead us back to where we belong. Sets a table of abundance for us in the midst of all that assaults us, in the midst of enemies, in the midst of our own inability to forgive, and invites us to eat joyously and generously at that table filled with God's constant abundance, love, and grace. In Psalm 23, there's a phrase that says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The word used for follow is also the word for persecute or pursue. How does it change things for you to think about goodness and mercy as being something that pursues you, that doesn't tag along like little happy puppies romping at your heels, but that are active qualities of God that are tracking you down. Goodness will keep pursuing you, and mercy will keep chasing you, until it feels as though they are hounding you with their relentless presence. Goodness and mercy hounding you. That is a pretty powerful image of a loving God who never quits. A guide who knows the way and leads us toward the spiritual waters that fill our yearning and empty places. A beckoning light in the valley of the shadows that imparts the hope that we are not alone wandering in the dark. A hound of heaven pursuing us with goodness and with mercy. I would love to know the life story of the person who wrote Psalm 23. It is credited to David, but we don't really know who wrote it. Yet someone in that ancient desert land, in that long ago time, somebody had a story to tell of God's grace in his life, who longed for God with a terrible yearning, who walked in valleys of darkness, found God there, who stopped running long enough to realize that goodness and mercy is what God joyfully offers when he lets God catch up with him. He heard the voice of God calling, and he recognized it. He recognized it, and he wrote about it. He is telling us the story. It is an ancient story 
because our God is a divine mystery that has brooded over the world for millennia, faithfully watching like a shepherd, calling to us, waiting until we recognize his voice and turn towards the goodness. God's ancient story is part of the DNA of our own personal stories. It is not limited to a long ago time in a desert land. That story is not out of date or antiquated. It is an active and vibrant presence that is very much alive and well and available to us and out ahead of us beckoning, come, I know the way. Follow me and I'll take you there. Remembering that ancient story is, what part, is part of what Psalm 23 is designed to do. When enemies assault you, remember God's ancient story. When your default mode kicks into high gear with fear or running away, remember God's ancient story. When you thirst for righteousness and hunger for justice, Remember God's ancient story. The Lord is your shepherd, good people of St. Stephen's on the Green. You shall not be left wanting. He makes you to lie down in green pastures, Alice. And he leads you beside the still waters, May. He revives your soul, Peter, and guides you along right pathways for his name's sake, Hannah. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, John, fear no evil, for God is with you, Ben. His rod and staff are there to comfort you, May. God spreads a table before you, earth, and he does this in the presence of those who trouble you, Fred. He anoints your head with oil, Ryan, your cup, George, is running over. Goodness and mercy will hand you all the days of your life, Amy. And you will be blessed to abide in this way of God forever. Amen.